Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth or fact? Calendula is considered one of the world's oldest cultivated flowers. That one's a fact. How cool is that? And that brings us into today's episode, Calendula. Yes, so Calendula is both a scientific and common name for this very widely grown herb. And its official name is just Calendula officinalis. Officinalis, I think is how it's said. But which basically just means is like, this is the one. <laughs> and then it has, you know, like other varieties. Um, you know, because things on different continents and things like that do sometimes have slight variations, but it's calendula. However, you should not confuse this plant with the common garden marigold. So calendula is oftentimes called pot marigold or poet's marigold. Um, and it's also called poor man saffron. But the traditional marigold plant that most Americans, at least, would put in their garden is Mm -hmm. not the same as the calendula marigolds. It's important to know that. Yeah. Because the other ones are not edible. This one is edible. So (laughs) you should pay attention to that. Uh, Calendula plants don't really have a strong scent, and they're a flower that's from the Asteraceae family. So other types of aster kind of have a similar-ish look. This particular plant is said to have a like sharp taste that's kind of similar to saffron. And the flowers are bright yellow or orange. And they usually have either a single row or multiple rows of uh, petals right next to each other. So it's a very neat looking flower. Like put, you know, it's it's like exactly as it is. It has this, you know, if you pull one of the petals out, it's very noticeable because it's like a gap in the side. Almost kind of like the same way that that happens a lot of times with daisies you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i do yeah once one's plucked it it just nothing feels right yeah and these flowers are especially bright in comparison to their foliage so they typically have like a gray green colored foliage or like a darker green And they have stems that are a little bit sticky. They have a little bit of a substance to them. They're known for blooming often during their blooming season. So usually they bloom frequently throughout the entire like late spring summer period. As much as once a month in optimum conditions. So this is in part where the name calendula is thought to come from. Because the Latin calendae means little calendar or little clock. And 
it's believed to be a reference to it blooming during every new moon or because when the sun goes down it does partially close its petals it doesn't completely close up but it does kind of like bend in a little bit it's probably native to southern europe and north america although because it's been cultivated or i'm sorry north africa uh but because it's been cultivated for so long it's hard to tell where its exact origins are a lot of the places where it's naturalized today are places where it's actually escaped from cultivation so it's naturalized two parts of north america including areas in new england and california and some parts of canada um, and some other parts of the midwest and a big part of that is this plant is known to grow in a wide variety of regions from subarctic regions to more tropical areas and so it's a very hardy plant most people grow it from seed because it's the easiest to cultivate that way. And it really thrives in full sun with good soil that has, you know, decent drainage. Although in areas closer to the tropics where the sunlight might be really intense, sometimes it can benefit from some kind of partial shade during the day. And so many, you know, slightly different varieties of the plant now are found in america and europe and in japanese horticulture sometimes to be used in the floral trade as a cut flower other times to be used as an ornamental plant in the garden and it also has some medicinal properties as well so like you said krista Calendula is one of the world's oldest cultivated flowers with mentions spanning back as far as the 3rd century BC. Ancient Egyptians viewed the plant as a rejuvenating herb, something to kind of cleanse the system. Greeks and Persians used the flower to color food, for cosmetics, and for fabrics. The flowers were commonly used to decorate Hindu temples. Romans used the flower to garnish dishes, and it was really looked upon in kind of the Roman times as a symbol of joy and happiness because of its consistent blooming. And that made it one of the more popular plants in some of those first cultivated gardens that we've talked about before, so... If you've listened to our History of Houseplants episode, you know that Romans were one of the first to kind of have these very structured, pointed gardens purely for the purpose of enjoying, you know, ornamental plants. And so, yeah. And so this was one of the plants that they would grow because it was believed that, you know, it was a symbol of, you know, sunlight and happiness. It's really brightly colored. It's believed to have begun being cultivated in European gardens for use around 1100 to 1200. Uh, 
AD. And so in medieval England, the plant was actually dried like in mass, often by the barrel full, and churned into syrups and other types of preserves, added to different kinds of stews, baked into breads. And then it kind of started being used as a medicinal herb. Monks would sometimes prescribe it for snake and insect bites or for liver complaints and bowel or stomach problems. Uh, a man by the name of Emilius Macer wrote an herbal, so like a reference guide in the 12th century that was distributed more in the 13th and 14th centuries that basically said just looking at this plant would improve your eyesight, clear your head, and encourage cheerfulness. I wonder if people believed them. Apparently this was your anti-depression drug. They're like, oh, you're sad? Here's an antidepressant for you. (laughs) Look at this flower. It blooms every month, so something to look forward to. (laughs) You're just... You just pat the purse on your head. You're like, you take this home with you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put it in a pot. <laughs> I got a lot more where this came from, too. So if you just take that home. Try not to kill it. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. You really blew me away with that um, fact about it being put in Hindu temples because all this time I thought all those flowers were marigolds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, technically they're both called marigolds. It's just Calendula's common name is Calendula. And the other ones are kind of more just folk names for it. And it does have a very similar-ish look. But those plants are toxic. Don't eat them. Yeah. So this plant even though it did have all of those uses and all of that going on for it, it was primarily used medicinally for treating skin conditions, infections, and minor wounds. It was even used during the American Civil War as an antiseptic, a way to staunch bleeding, prevent infection, and speed up healing. So people used to actually carry these plants around with them. You could make it into like a poultice or a compress. In certain cases, you could ingest it. And apparently it was pretty effective, or I assume they would have stopped using it at some point. Yeah. It also has a lot of different like strange lore surrounding it, although it all seems very like folklore-ish. So bring it on. Some people believed it would protect you from scorpions if you carried it with you. Hmm. Some Maybe people... they don't like the smell. Yeah, Although it doesn't smell very much. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, kind of makes sense because it was in some places, I guess, where scorpions would have been. Maybe it was like a luck thing. Some people place it under their bed for protection from robbers. I don't know how that would work out for you. I feel like I can't see a situation where robbers would be deterred by calendula plants, but... It's about the energy you bring to the house, Minnie, obviously. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> and you were supposed to carry the petals with you to court if you wanted a hmm. positive legal outcome. Just like a pocket full of posies. I totally stole all that stuff, but this will definitely make them give me a lighter sentence. Maybe. <laughs> You're just like it makes... stuffing your pockets with it. You just show them a flower. It makes people happy. Exactly. It's also supposedly the flower where the love me, love me not game began. No way. What? Because it's so easy to pick the petals off one by one. So. Also, and I I saw this on like three different sources, but I have no idea where it comes from. It said some people believed that if young women walked across a large amount of calendula petals, they would be able to communicate with birds. We should try that. <laughs> <laughs> we have birds. <laughs> we do. Yes, we do have birds at our disposal. I just don't know. Like, and what is a lot? Like, is it like. I'm assuming, like, you know, a few steps across a path worth, you know, cushioned. I couple, guess. Okay, let me think. Like, you know. <laughs> A couple inches spread across a couple square feet, which uh, is a lot. It is. It is, but. Yeah, it seems like it would be a lot of flowers. And then you do it outside and the wind blows and you're like, no! (laughs) Uh, So there's that. But Uh there are also kind of multiple originating stories of the name Marigold in general. And so, like, the common garden marigold and the calendula plant, you know, they're both called marigold, both because they look similar. And they kind of grew in similar-ish places, so it kind of makes sense that the names might have some, like, different meanings or different origin stories. So, one of the origin stories was that the Holy Family was robbed during their flight to Egypt, where robbers took Mary's purse. When they opened it, they only found the petals of the calendula plant, leading to the name Mary's Gold. Okay. Which kind of feels like a bad pun to me, if I'm being honest, but okay. Also, who would rob somebody and then tell people about it? I didn't get anything, man. Nothing. Just these. This is Mary's gold. Can you believe her? (laughs) And then there's another story that there was a group of children that used to play with this beautiful golden haired girl named Mary. So they called her Mary Gold. And one day she disappeared, but in the place that she always used to sit and look at the sun. A flower appeared, and so they called that flower Marigold, and that was, which is somehow cuter and more believable to me, even though there's like a magically element, I guess, that must be there for you to disappear and turn into a flower. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of like a more mysterious narcissus situation. That was a lot of S's. (laughs) It was. So, 
it's got quite a you know lore kind of popularity to it um but i would say a big part of that too is because it was just so useful primary therapeutic uses are for dermatitis aka skin conditions and wounds so most skin ailments are believed to be helped by calendula remedies and those remedies include like a compress or other topical products such as lotions soaps creams ointments and salves so could you clarify what a compress is for me is that just like a bunch of petals and like a cheesecloth bag a compress is usually just something soaked in some type of water mixture. So like in this case, it would be like almost like you brewed calendula tea and then soaked a cloth or something in that water and then applied it to your skin. Okay. Or wound. So, like, you might soak it in that and then put it on a wound and then wrap it so that it, st- you know, so that it stays there. Um, although, typically, calendula treatments you only really want to have on for, like, 15 minutes. But there are other circumstances where you would use a compress that way. It's also typically recommended to treat eczema psoriasis diaper rashes acne and other conditions that cause like irritated or sore skin so that can be kind of any irritation some like nursing mothers use it uh for like cracked nipples and stuff and there are some preliminary studies that believe when you use calendula in a cream they could have some spf properties although it should not be used in place of sunscreen i am not a doctor please (laughs) do not do that (laughs) just more support that it likes to help your skin yeah it's also recommended by the German Health Authority to be used for treating wounds based off of research showing the anti-inflammatory effects and its ability to help wounds seal over with new tissue. So nice. it contains triterpenoid compounds such as oleaginous. I'm sorry. I just mess up like words that are more complicated than like regular words I see every day. I mean, Ole- have you ever had to say this word before? <laughs> no, I really haven't. <laughs> oleanolic oleanolic acid uh, and it appears to inhibit the growth of a variety of bacteria and it's also believed that some of these same compounds may act as antioxidants which reduce damage from oxygen radicals in the healing process I'm glad that there's actually been research done on this one there is just like a little bit And it's interesting because it's, like, one of the few things where a lot of times I see, like, "Mm, there were some studies, but, like, we don't, we don't consider those. This one, we're like, well, studies did show this, although there isn't, like, a concrete, again, there's no concrete answer. 
but this one definitely seemed to have some more backing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were also some small studies that found calendula oil was helpful to breast cancer patients un- undergoing radiation treatment. So they were using a uh, calendula cream that had the oil in it that was being used instead of the typical medicine trolamine that they would usually put on their skin to reduce dermatitis. But in comparison, it seems that with this calendula cream, they experienced less dermatitis and had fewer interruptions to their treatment because they didn't suffer from skin infections or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. But it's not necessarily recommended over the typical medicine, I guess, because there's not enough evidence to support that specifically. Seems like calendula is kind to women. Yes. Yeah. Also, some women found that calendula tea was really helpful for um, painful periods or menstruation and could also help with some of the symptoms of menopause. So it was pretty often uh, just casually used that way uh, previously. And some people still kind of seem to swear by it today. Hmm. And taken internally, it is thought to help with some digestive issues. So kind of like internal inflammation and things like that. Pretty useful. Pretty useful plant, Calendula. Yeah. And I like its name. I do too. And it's pretty. It's pretty. (laughs) What's your mini tip? My mini tip is that if you are allergic to any other plants in the Asteraceae family, you probably want to be careful about your use of this plant. Lots of people who have been allergic to other flowers in that family have experienced adverse reactions to calendula whether it be ingested or put on the skin if they have reactions to those other flowers so just be wary of that otherwise it seems relatively safe to at least use on your skin if you want to do that I'm not recommending it for any specific thing I just have, I feel like this whole time I just have to remind everybody that I'm not a doctor. <laughs> just a great researcher. Yeah. So, but it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's pretty useful this plant. Mhm. And what are we going to talk about in our next episode? In our next episode, we're going to talk about echinacea. I drink that in tea sometimes. I do too. It's hard not don't to actually... like plants in your tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess technically it's not tea. That is what we learned. <laughs> we did learn that, but I'm willing to let everybody my... have that one. Yeah. My herbal infusion. Yes. Technically, it's called a tisane. But... A tisane. That's, what it's, that's just. It's just not a, a pretty word. It's not. <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining us on our latest episode of Plant Stories. This was Calendula. 
<laughs> the baby clock tap flower. <laughs> Join us next week as we talk about echinacea. And please, if you're listening to this episode, reach out, man. Reach out on Instagram, on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. We just recently hit a total of 2,000 total downloads of our podcast. Yay, us. <laughs> Yay, you guys. <laughs> Crazy, considering we barely promote this and we've been doing it for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just shows that, you know, people are interested. So please feel free to reach out. We would love to interact with you guys. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.